Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Thanks, as always, for checking us out here on the GM Shuffle. You know, you can't ever just leave town and get away scot-free. There always has to be an inquiry, discussion, what went wrong, cracks in the armor, et cetera, et cetera. And so when it comes to Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots, of course, there's got to be more than meets the eye. We're going to talk about Brady, not only what happened with the Patriots, but also will the Buccaneers be any good and... Cam Newton, where is he going to end up? Plus, Joe Judge's offense with the Giants, why it could be mirroring what the Cowboys did. But let's start, Mike, with Josh McDaniels and the fact that longtime NFL writer Gary Myers reported on Monday a, quote, deteriorating relationship with offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels playing the Tom Brady's decision to leave the Pats. Brady says that's not true. He issued a strong rebuke to Myers' report on Instagram telling the author of the 2015 book Brady vs. Bang to please stop this nonsense. Please be more responsible with reporting. McDaniels served on the Pats coaching staff 16 of Brady's 20 seasons in New England, and he coached the quarterback directly for 13 of those. And for those not aware, of course, you were with the Patriots, so you saw that relationship up close and personal. What do you think about McDaniels and Brady? Truth to the story? Uh, you know, I, I just didn't understand it. I, I, uh, I, my office in New England was next to Brady, was next to Josh's, and you know, Tom would come by, and those two would go in there and spend hours upon hours meeting, and it was always a positive, easygoing relationship that that bordered on, you know, you got to make me a better player. But I have complete confidence and faith in you, and I trust your judgment, and you know what I do well, and so let's do it. So, you know, like when I first – my first reaction to the story was like, this is completely – I don't know where this comes from. And and it can only come from – because then Gary said, AD, Gary said that – if you knew my source, no one would challenge this story. <laughs> well, that I think that's there lies the problem, right? Because you're having an interpretation of your story, right? And rea- and the reality of it is, is the person that may be interpreting th- doesn't really know what they're talking about, you know. So that that's you know because they might yell at one another, that doesn't mean it's a cantankerous relationship. So in one sense, you know, this this really goes back to what is true and what isn't true. You know, is this true? I, I think this is completely not even fair when you just realize that Brady just had had enough of the culture. Yeah, and I think, as I said off the top, people can't just accept the fact that that could be the case. If somebody would tire of the culture, would want to change, would want a breath of scenery, would want a new challenge, would want better offensive weapons around them without denigrating what he had. You know, in Tampa, clearly there's a better supporting cast than he had in New England, at least offensively, at least from last year to this year. But you're right, people can't just accept it. They have to look at what could have happened. And I'll say this for Brady. Listen, there's times that you see him obviously 
being argumentative and emotional, and he gets fired up. And I'm sure they had screaming matches with Josh McDaniels, which you're alluding to. But to say a deteriorating relationship, that implies that they weren't speaking to each other, right? You literally have to have an intermediary. Hey, go tell Josh I feel this. You go tell Tom that. And that, to me, would be hard to believe when you kind of use those kinds of terms for a football team in this day and age. I mean, that's just not even true. I mean, like, that's not even true. I mean, I think they had a lot of personal conversations. I think that Josh knows a lot about Tom's personal life and Josh and Tom knows a lot about Josh's personal life. I mean, they were truly friends. I mean, they grew up together. I mean, they literally grew up together. And if you're best friends with somebody, you're going to argue. It's like, what are the best businesses to own in America are family businesses? Because why? Because family businesses allow you to argue with your brother. You can call your brother an asshole or you can call your sister an asshole. <laughs> and there's deep root, there's deep rooted love when you do it, you know? And so Pat Summit, the head basketball, former head coach of Tennessee, she said the family businesses are the way we have to set up our team because we have to be able to yell at one another and love one another. And I think we really miss this. I think people that have never been in that Patriot organization that look from it from afar don't understand that yelling is just part of who they are. It's like as we honor the great actor Jerry Stiller who played the perfect Italian and screaming at everything, I mean, that's just part of what what we do, right? I mean, that's just part of how Italians communicate to one another. You know, you, you, you get angry, but that doesn't mean you don't love somebody. And I think this is somebody looking from the outside in perspective. I mean, I wrote, I, I reread what I wrote about Tom leaving for The Athletic. I think I wrote it back in March. And I think it's right. I think Tom got tired. And I know this is hard for people to accept, but Tom wanted to, Tom wanted to do things that he could, knew he couldn't do in New England. He knew he couldn't be an Instagram, you know, favorite. He knew he couldn't promote Brady Brady 12, a uh, TB12. You know, he knew so instead of being a jerk and going against the program in New England, he decided, to, you know what? It's probably best that I leave. Like it's best that I go do it somewhere else because I can't do it here. And no one wants to accept that. Like, that's too hard for people to understand. It, it doesn't have enough. Look, there's nobody who's more of a conspiracy theorist than I am. There's no way Oswald was acting alone. Okay, I'm going to put that out there, right? So, but in these cases, sometimes, you know, we're not seeing the obvious here. Uh, now that you brought up Oswald, I do want to circle back to one point. You're talking about family business operations, if you call a family member an asshole. In the in the Lombardi, if there was a Lombardi pizza, I know your dad's a barber cutting hair, but if it was like a Lombardi pizza place, who would you be most fearful of calling an asshole in your family if it was a family-run business? Mom, dad, who else? Oh, my mother, probably, without any doubt. She'd have come right after me. She'd have just, you know, my father just, you know, he he would have been, you know, he, he would have just bottled up the energy inside of my mother would have just gotten so pissed off. I mean, you're always scared of your mama. I mean, let's face it, you know, I mean, in most Italian families, you love your mother and you're, and you're scared to death of her. I mean, if you ask my two sons, like who they're more scared of, oh, there's, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, they love their mother beyond belief. You know, you read the Mother Day cards, it's incredible, right? But you know, but in terms of like who gets angry and who comes after him, oh, it's not even close. Like I was, I was Switzerland. I was like, I was, the, I was the, you know, they get in front of me. I was going to give out, I was giving out warnings. I don't think I wrote very many tickets, you know, they get in front of Millie. They were getting tickets. 
<laughs> I'm now picturing you as Jerry Stiller from The Sopranos and Millie in the Mix as well. That's, that, excuse me, Jerry Stiller from Seinfeld. That's, that's too good. Uh, let's get to the Buccaneers then, because whatever, whatever is past is prologue. Are we sure the Bucs are going to be good? There's people, obviously, who are looking at them as this very sexy team, and why not? They're the greatest player in football history there. Rob Gronkowski has come out of retirement you look at the losses to the team. Jameis Winston, of course, is gone. Peyton Barber, the running back. Rashad Perryman, the wide receiver. There's a few others as well. And in terms of the draft, you get Tristan Wirfs, the big O tackle out of uh, Iowa, who is their number 13 overall. Antoine Winfield, good bloodlines, a DB out of Minnesota. That was a round pick too. And also Vaughn, the running back out of Vanderbilt in the third round as well. Oftentimes, Mike, the whole key is the schedule. When I look at this Bucks team, I know they're the sexy pick, but the Vegas odds, according to actionnetwork.com, have them at nine and a half. So let's start there. Over or under? Uh, my instincts tell me under. You know, I just think to me that that when you change systems and you go from something that you're very comfortable with, you know, something that you really, you know, that you really feel is tailored for your game and you have to go meet someone new and try to start all over – Without any off-season program, without any real ability to kind of know and feel your teammates, I think that's problematic. And 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 look, you know, I, I think that Bruce Arians, you know, I read the Clyde Christensen piece in the Athletic that they interviewed him, and Clyde was talking about Brady's arm, and I don't think there's any doubt about Brady's arm strength. I don't see any real decline in Brady's arm whatsoever. But but you have to be honest with yourself to see that that Tom likes to throw the ball in the middle of the field. That the one area that Tom, in terms of outside the numbers, he likes to throw the ball in the middle of the field. And if you watch the Patriot offense, that's what he does. That's not necessarily what the Bucks offense is all about. So for me, I, I think the under, I think every game is going to be a challenge. Look, I thought their defense, you know, they played really well last year on defense and give all the credit in the world to to Todd Bowles. I mean, they're first in, against the run last year. You know, yards, they were 15th in the National Football League. You know, on third down, they were the fourth best third down team. I mean, Shaq Barrett played lights out. He was sensational. I mean, they've got a lot of things that they built on last year, but Every, but now you take a step up. Now the level of comp becomes, and as the great Virgil Salazzo once said, they now become the hunted one. <laughs> Salazzo McCluskey. Who's going to be the Michael Corleone shooting those guys in the head this year when they're having a sit down? And right out of the gate, of course, we're focusing so much on the Saints game, and for good reason. It's Brady versus Breeze. But after that, Mike, you got the Panthers. Broncos, Chargers, and then you're going at the Bears. I mean, that's that's a pretty good slate coming right out of the gate to test yourself and say, what kind of team are we made of? Are we going to set a winning tradition here or not? Yeah, I, I and I don't think, you know, that we're going to really know that. I think the month of September for a lot of these teams are going to be growing pains. I think as betters, I think there's going to be a great opportunity to make money in the month of September when the season kicks off because the lines aren't going to be right. I mean, just think about this. I mean, last year, San Francisco opened up in Tampa Bay and they were a one-point dog. Then they went to Cincinnati and I think they were a three-point dog the first two weeks. You know, I mean, that, you know, Baltimore opened up in Miami as just a four-point favorite. They won the game by 60, 50 points or whatever they won it by, right? So the lines in the first week, I think, are a little bit t- a little bit off because no one really knows. And that's when we had OTA days. That's when we had mini camps. That's when we had all this stuff. 
I mean, when does how do we know where they're going to be with Brady? How do we know Tristan Wirfs is going to be able to handle the right right tackle? How is Kappa going to handle the left guard position? You know, how how are the, how's Donovan Smith going to handle left tackle? Can he hold? Can Brady feel comfortable with all the receivers? I think there's a lot to ask, and I, and I think this. Let's go back to the to Tom and Josh. Josh made the game, and and because they were together for so long, you know their relationship going over 13 years, they the game plan that that Tom got in his hand, there was a lot of shit that was covered for Tom in that game plan, and there were a lot of details that were covered in that game plan. Now that's not to say Clyde Richardson won't have those details covered or Bruce Arians won't. I mean, I found it ironic. They found out they were playing. They, when they found out they signed Brady, they were all playing golf. I mean, there ain't no golfing going on in New England. I could tell you that, you know. So there's a little difference right there. That's just a little different right there. Now, you know, I mean, who's? how is it going to get comfortable for them? I think people that think they're going to go over on the 10 are mistaken. I think under nine and a half, I think because it's nine and a half, if they're nine and seven, I think they're having a hell of a year. Yeah, that's why the Vegas people are so smart. I, I feel like 10 and six, but you're right. I wouldn't go above that. It feels like nine and a half is right about right. And you said before, they could be the Browns of this year. I mean, it, it's no certainty they could even have a winning season. Things could implode if it's a tough adjustment for Brady, if the defense doesn't step up, if Gronk can't stay healthy. There's certainly a lot of what ifs in that mix. And just because Brady's going to be happier, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a winning formula, especially right out of the gate. Having said that, when we come back, is it possible Brady could win his fourth MVP next season? Not according to Vegas. Mahomes the favorite. We'll tell you the favorites right now win NFL MVP Plus. The latest on where the heck Cam Newton is going to go. The GM Shuffle continues after this. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, we talked a little bit about gambling when it comes to odds for the Buccaneers. How about the favorites to win MVP? Caesar Sportsbook, Mahomes right now, 4-1 to one to win his second regular season MVP award in the last three years. Lamar Jackson is last season's MVP. He is at 13-2 to two as Caesars to win the award again. As always, it's a quarterback award, Mike. So it shouldn't be surprising that we've got more quarterbacks after that. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, 9-1. to one. Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson at 12-1. to one. Here's where it gets interesting. 
Christian McCaffrey has the shortest odds of any non-quarterback. He's at 40 to 1. Now, there's 11 quarterbacks have shorter odds than McCaffrey. Brady's at 16 to 1. Kyler Murray's at 16 to 1. Breeze is at 20 to 1. And Aaron Rodgers really has slipped in many ways now at 25 to 1. I think it makes sense that quarterbacks are off in the pick. But that is a bit eyebrow-raising. McCaffrey's behind so many other guys. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, he can't have the season that he had last year. I mean, he just can't possibly duplicate those numbers in terms of carries over 280, in terms of catches. I mean, he's not going to have that. I mean, I think this is the one area. If if you don't mind investing, say, $500 and knowing you're not going to get paid until January – and you just take five players, right? Take now Mahomes, if he wins it at four to one, you lose a hundred. So that that's probably play. But just say Dak wins it, right? Nine to one, you win that you win four hundred bucks, right? Russell Wilson, who I think's a great play, twelve to one. I mean, there you go. You win seven hundred bucks, right? There's a way to make your money back. If Rogers wins, you win fifteen hundred bucks. You know, whatever it is. So you you, you got a chance. You win two thousand bucks if Rogers wins. So you you got a chance to really take five players. You know, forget all the skill players. Forget all the defensive players. This is the only bet that you know the position that's going to win it. You know it. I mean, ninety five percent. You know who's going to win this, right? So therefore. You know, take take a hundred dollars and bet a hundred on Rodgers. Take a hundred and bet it on Prescott. Take a hundred and bet it on. Take a hundred and bet it on the quarterback of the team that you feel best of. Ben Roethlisberger. Take a hundred and put it on him. You know, you think Pittsburgh's going to win? Lamar Jackson. Take a hundred. Think he can duplicate it again? I say probably not. So don't bet it on him. You know, you got to bet it on Mahomes, even though you know you're going to lose money on that one. But the reality of it is, is at least you get your money back if he wins. So at least you can only lose 100. So that's why I like it. I think it's just one of the one bets that you have a chance to really narrow the field down. Because remember, betting is like drafting. It's about elimination, not finding. So you can eliminate every position, and then you can bet the position that you've eliminated. The last non-quarterback to win the award, speaking of eliminating, then Minnesota Vikings running back Adrian Peterson back in 2012. Overall, 16 running backs have won MVP compared to 42 quarterbacks, and no receiver has won the award, not to mention how tough it is for a defensive guy. So you're right. You pick five quarterbacks. Mahomes and Jackson are locks, at least in the conversation. Russell Wilson for the first half last year was the MVP and then tailed off a little bit. Dak makes sense because the Cowboys feel primed to take the next step. They got a new head coach. Uh, They obviously won the NFL draft, did great there. After that, it gets intriguing. Were you surprised at all, Mike? The Rodgers at 25 to 1. That's uh, the the fact that Breeze is at 20 to 1, and this could be his final season. And then Aaron Rodgers is at 25 to 1, falling out of favor, so to speak, with the gamblers. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and what a great bet he is at 25 to 1. I mean, who's going to win the North? I mean, can anybody really tell? Matthew Stafford's at 40 to 1. You know, like who's going to win the North? And then I think this, if you bet Matthew Stafford at 41, you better make sure you understand that the Lions have to be the one or two seed. They're going to have to win the North and they're going to have to, because it's the voting is done after the regular season. And if that happens, Stafford certainly, and Stafford has huge numbers, he could win the MVP. But I think a guy like Russell Wilson, say the, I think Seattle wins the West and say Seattle gets the one or two seeds and he dominates the way he's capable of, 
I think to me at 12 to 1, that's a great bet. The one that I'm not as crazy about, Kyler Murray at 16 to 1. I mean, second season, I still need to see a little more growth. I don't think he's ready yet to take that kind of jump. Obviously, he's shown promise. He's got a coach in Cliff Kingsbury who's going to air it out. But that to me would be a gigantic leap to win MVP in your second season. 16 to 1. I don't like those odds. I hate them. I mean, like, look, how can Murray be ahead of Rodgers, right? It just shows you that that Rodgers would be the Warren Buffett would play Rodgers, right? It's too much value to not go to it, right? There's no way they're getting rid of it. It's like his cap number and all that. They're not playing Jordan Love. And and if you're like me and think that the Jordan Love's going to piss Rodgers off and prove that he can play well, you're going to take the 25 to 1. I mean, I think that's a great bet right there. I mean, the Cardinals, for the car for Murray to win the MVP, the Cardinals have to win the West. Their defense has to be vastly improved, and he's got to put lights out numbers. And and even if he puts out lights numbers and they go nine and seven, he's not going to be the MVP. I mean, so to me, it's it's like that's not going to happen. So I don't think. But I think that Rodgers, you know, Rodgers comes back and all of a sudden he throws for eight yards per attempt. He, We know he's not going to throw interceptions. We know the Packers have a chance to win. Do they win 11 games and they get the number one seed? Okay, there you go. He's the MVP. I know we're all stir crazy right now with cabin fever and all the rest of it. How like insane would you have to feel to put any sort of money on MVP, Mitch? Or would you do it just like out of spite? Like if it's, I don't know the odds. It's 100 to 1, whatever it is. Would you do it for your own amusement and say, Millie, watch this. I just threw away 100 bucks on Mitch Trubisky today. Uh, I, I, there's no way I'm throwing anything on MVP, Mitch. But I would recommend to people listen to the pod. You know, you can bet on opening day starters. Like who will be the opening day starter for any team? And they give you odds. The favorite right now in Chicago is Nick Foles. I would I would urge to bet on Mitchell Trubisky being the favorite. I think the fix is in. I don't think Mitchell will lose his job in preseason. Hey, I don't think we're going to have much preseason because let's face it, how can you have a preseason and then you're going out there and you're practicing and all of a sudden you got to shut down the season? I think they're going to go. They're going if they're going to go, you know, as Uncle Junior said, they're going to go heavy or not go at all, right? They're they're gonna you know they're not gonna waste it they're not gonna go and, and cut, bring a staple gun to, sh- to 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 what did what he did to Mikey Palmisi they're gonna come heavy and I think that I think that there's no doubt that you know Mitchell's not gonna lose his job in any before they get there he's gonna lose his job the first three weeks of the season so I love the Trubisky bet to be the starter in Chicago good guess too on the season obviously who knows anything but you're right they don't want to compromise the season if someone says listen because of COVID-19 you can't play preseason games good no problem mini camps have to be quiet sequestered less guys than normal sure we just want to make sure September 10th there's going to be football that remains to be seen a guy in the past who would be getting MVP conversation is Cam Newton right now looking for a gig could be relegated to second team status if he chooses to do so Field the H, Jeremy Fowler, a couple of guys at ESPN, they believe that Newton's best fit is with the Seahawks. Insider Matt Bowen says the Rams could be the ideal spot. He could be backing up either Russell Wilson or Jared Goff. I still feel like he's a starter, Mike, but sometimes you're dictated by the market and you got to take a step back before you can take two steps forward. Make me smarter. Where's the best spot for Cam? Well, I think this. I think you can throw – to me, the Rams don't make sense because they have about $400,000 worth of cap room. They have to redo Jalen Ramsey's deal. They're going to be really tight on cap, okay, and they're really tight on cash because, you know, what we learned yesterday, the Rams are going to be a 30-for-30 documentary, not because of how they screwed up their cap, but just because of how these worlds have collided. You're Stan Kroenke, and you've just built this massive stadium. 
And this, the one thing that can keep you from getting a return on your money is not having people in the stands. And then the state of California or this county of Los Angeles yesterday, as we taped this Wednesday morning, they come out and say, uh-uh, no, we're, we're closing this down for another three weeks. I mean, the loss, the, the, the California teams are going to have to relocate to another state. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. And so now Cronkie's not going to make any money on his stadium. He's going to have a horrendous cash flow. It's going to cost him, even with his Walmart fortune, it's going to cost him beyond. I mean, the Rams are in financial trouble in that sense because how are they going to get it back? So to put any money into Cam Newton makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. And so for me, and then I think Seattle, I do think that's in play. I think it would be a smart move because I think it's the one place Cam can go to be the backup where he can't really challenge the starter. But I still think New England. I still think if New England can get Joe Tooney's cap deal done and they can recreate some cap room and they can get him in there for a physical, which no one's been able to do because of the virus, and they can feel like his health is good, I think that's a landing spot. You know, I think Chicago, which I wrote about for The Athletic, I think that would, to me, if I were Chicago, I would have signed Cam Newton, not traded for Nick Foles. I think Denver would like, I think Denver's situation is simply this. They, they have to let Drew Locke play. They have to let him play, but they have to honestly be in contact with Cam and say, okay, we got a good team. If we had Cam, if Drew Locke isn't great, who do we go to? Same thing with Buffalo. Buffalo's got all their chips in the middle of the table saying, okay, here we are. And if, and if, and if Josh Allen doesn't deliver, they're in trouble. And Sean McDermott has said the same thing. So, you know, to me, Pittsburgh doesn't want to upset Big Ben. So I don't think they're an option. I like New England for Cam Newton because it's the one place he can go. And let me put this out there. Cam Newton would be really do well, really well with New England. And McDaniels will be able to coach Cam Newton because what they'll do is what Cam does best. Cam won't have to come in and run Tom Brady's offense. Cam's going to come in and do what he does best. That's the Patriots mantra. That's what they do. So all this talk, well, Cam couldn't play up there. Yeah, he could. There's no doubt he could. Randy Moss went up there and played. If you like football and you want to win, that's a good place to go. (laughs) Yeah, ultimately, beggars can't be choosers. And if you do have a choice to go to a winning organization, I I think you're right. I think Cam would swallow a little pride and say, yeah, of course I'm going to go to England. I'll do whatever those guys tell me to do if it gets me back on track. Speaking of getting back on track, it's a long road ahead for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but at least they're making great time. Mike will explain after this. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, as dysfunctional as they get, uh, as Mike said earlier, the Rams you could do a 30 for 30 on. The Jags you could do a 30 for 30, but no one would watch because there's just no no bright spots. You know, in any story, you need to have some winning along for the ride. Aside from one year where they got the AFC Championship game, it's been a bleak decade. Now, they've cleared out space for Gardner Minshew, of course, because Nick Foles is now gone. Mike Glennon is signing now to back up Minshew. Uh, they added former Bengal Tyler Eifert at tight end. He's a second-round pick, wide out LaVisca Chenault. And they attempted to get anybody to take running back Leonard Fournette, but there's no takers. 
Mike, it looks bleak right now for the Jags. I mean, look at the draft. C.J. Henderson in the corner of Florida. Uh, Kaylee Vaughn chase on at LSU. I mentioned Chenault. Is there any reason to expect the Jaguars are trending upward? You know, we did that Dell Pot, uh, Potference about how to build a successful team. And the Jaguars would be support on how not to build a team, right? <laughs> I mean, since Shaq Khan has owned the team, they're 40 and 91. 40 and 91 since he's owned the team. Since he hired David Blaine Caldwell, I finally came up with a nickname for David Caldwell, David Blaine Caldwell, because he truly is a magician. He truly is a magician. <laughs> David Blaine is amazing. I mean, he's 38 and 77 since he's been the general manager, right? His first hire was Gus Bradley. Gus was 14 and 48, by the way. That was his first hire. He's had first round picks. Just let me give you the numbers he's had in the first round. He's had the second pick. He's had the third pick twice. He's had the fourth pick. He's had the fifth pick. He's had the seventh pick. He's had the ninth pick. And he still has his job. That's why he's David Blaine Caldwell. But I think what this really is all about, and this is all kidding aside, I think the Jaguars are truly a case study on what is called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And this is a business term. The Dunning-Kruger effect is the type of, of, a, 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 of a bias in which people believe they're smarter and more capable than they really are. Okay. And so essentially it's it doesn't apply to low low ability people because low ability people don't have the skills to needed to really understand what they're doing. So they immediately say, I just don't know what I'm doing, right? But smart people that think they know that really don't know. This is what the Dunning-Kruger effect is. And that's truly what Jacksonville is. If you're Shaq Khan and you're 40 and 91 sitting on your 295 million yacht, right? You got to think we're not doing something well. Like we're, we're really messed up. We've had all these first, and now I'm looking across at the man who basically was part of the hiring of Gus Bradley. Right now, I love the article that Mike Silver wrote about uh, Blaine saying that, you know, well, I wasn't in charge of all these picks. Okay, really great. Well, you're there. I mean, you're there too, right? Like you were there for you were there for Blake Bortles. You watched Blake Bortles play five years, and he and you couldn't and you couldn't watch him suck anymore. And you kept and you kept watching him. Like he should have been fired just for the Blake Bortles insistence. But the the reality of it here is this is this happens in all sports. There's people that think they know that don't know. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's happening in the New York Knicks. At times, it happens down in Dallas. Thank God for Will McClay, who knows what he's doing, and he helps the Joneses out. But this is what happens when people think they know something on a subject that they really don't know. And because they're smart, they're like, there's no way I don't know this. And I think that explains Jacksonville. Sometimes, though, <clears throat> you have to help. Even, even with inefficient people, even with incompetent people, you can have success. You and I both are fans of Gardner Minshew, the Minshew mustache, all the rest of it. Is there a chance Jacksonville is at least trending upward because they got lucky in getting a sixth-round pick in Minshew who could be playing above his head and could be a guy that delivers? Meaning, basically, can he overcome the incompetence around him? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's all going to come falling, crashing down. I think their whole play is Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think their whole play is Trevor Lawrence, and I, and I think that they've done a really good job of stacking their team. They have 16 starters right now from their draft or free agency. So, you know, they're basically setting themselves up. They haven't really improved their team. They were they were really bad on defense last year, and they they let Boyer go. They let they let the, one of their better Calais Campbell go. I mean, so 
you know, and then they kept the defensive coordinator who's running a scheme that Gus Bradley ran when Gus Bradley was 14 and 48. And that scheme's really dying. You know, just because they get C.J. Henderson, you know, they got to fight with one of their best players. I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. I think they're setting themselves up. It's truly, you know, when they sit there and you read that silver article, first of all, I don't understand how anybody who is 30 and se- 38 and 77, my man, David Blaine, this is why he's the magician because he's, he's so non-obvious to the reality. He, he actually brought, they let silver embed into the draft with him to show people what he does. Are you kidding me? Like, like I'm going to learn anything from watching him. I love the David Blaine moniker. That, that's going to be great. I mean, that brings me to the other idea, but just magicians and illusions. Are you a fan of that kind of stuff? And can you go watch David Blaine? If you and Millie went and saw him, could you say, wow, that's amazing. Or are you the guy Going back to your, your uh, reputation as a conspiracy theorist, are you the one going, hey, no, seriously, David, tell me how you did that. That's impossible. I mean, that's bullshit. Just tell me what you did. Come on, tell me the truth. I mean, one of the greatest human beings I ever met in my life was the Raider team doctor, Dr. Albo. And Dr. Albo played major league, ba- I mean, minor league baseball. He was an athlete at Cal. You shook Dr. Albo's hand, I th- your hand was going to fall off, right? He was, that, he was a man's man. And he was a magician. He was a foremost expert on magic. He, and he wrote books on magic. So I spent, he would tell me about things and about the illusions. But I would go there in awe of how they do it because you don't realize how much they practice it and how hard it is to pull it off. And, and really, I think David Blaine Caldwell's done a magnificent job pulling it off. I mean, look at it. He's got a, he's got a major, he's got, he's got a major writer coming down there talking to him. You know, he's talking about how excited he is with the draft, how he loves it when a plan comes together. That was the gut line that got me. I love it when a plan comes together. David, what fucking plan have you ever put together? You're 38 and 77. Like, tell me when you, like, that's like George Custard saying he had a great plan. You know, where'd all those damn Indians come from? You know, it's like, seriously, I love it when a plan comes together. David, have you ever seen a good plan? Do you know what a good plan looks like? You've, you've watched Blake Bortles for five fucking years and you think he's a good player. Where's the plan? <laughs> uh, I love it when a plan comes together. Maybe that's what Jason Garrett is now saying, because with the Giants, rookie head coach Joe Judge indicating that Garrett's offense will be the same one that he had with the Cowboys now in the Meadowlands. This is a quote from SI. I think schematically the easiest way to describe the offense of the outside world right now is, you know, it's going to be similarly based on what Jason's done in Dallas. There's going to be some similarities, but it's going to cater to the players we have on their roster. So you say to yourself, okay, yeah, Dallas's offense is great. They ranked first in the league in total yards. But that was because you had Dak Prescott, new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, obviously lots of great weapons like Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper. With the Giants, I'm like, are are you kidding? Like, you sent the story to me, and I started laughing. I'm like, what's Joe Judge think? You think Daniel Jones would be Dak Prescott? Just say a little hocus-pocus, and away we go? Yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, Joe would have been better off saying, we're going to be multiple. We're going to do what's best for the players. I mean, Joe didn't learn from Bill about how to answer that question. Like, why would you even say that, right? And and the one thing I'm going to miss is I I hope, I just really hope that the Clapper's on the sideline. I really do. I don't want him up in the box. It'll disappoint my season. I need him down there. I need them. I need them so that I can see the collapse when the players come off the field. It's going to be fun to watch because Daniel Jones, a West Coast quarterback. Now, how he operates in the system of five step seven, bang it out there, throw the, you know, who's the number one receiver? Is it is it Sterling Shet? I mean, who the, who are they getting the ball to? Golden Tate. I mean, they have more of a lot of slot receivers than they do. Evan Ingram's the tight end, but he doesn't block very well. 
it's going to be interesting how this all comes together. And then really, Saquon Barkley, unless Saquon Barkley gets better at pass protection, this isn't going to work because when he's in the game, people are going to run blitz him every play. So I can't wait to watch this. I really can't. Speaking of can't wait to watch, the last dance will conclude on ESPN this Sunday. You and I and every sportsman has been watching. Numbers have been gigantic for ESPN. As much as I've enjoyed it, there's a couple of quibbles I have I want to throw at you. One of them is this. You know, in any documentary... It's okay to demonize a guy, but I like to have him say his part. And I have no doubt that Jerry Krause probably was a terrible job at managing these personalities. And Jordan and Pippen and Phil Jackson were absolutely right to not like the guy. But he died in 2017. So one of the flaws I found is that when they're crushing Krause, I'm like, I always want to see his opinion. And unfortunately, it's all clips they're using from 20 years ago. The other issue is Jordan's production company produced it. So there's never really going to be any true criticism of Mike. There's been a couple of moments in which they talked about social issues. He was unwilling to speak up that election with Jesse Helms. Um, You know, just the fact he was a tyrant, the way he treated his teammates, et cetera. But that's been a couple of things. Mike, as much as I've enjoyed it, it's not really a warts and all biography when the guy who it's about is basically okaying what you can use and what you can't use. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I think there's so much to learn in terms of leadership from it. I mean, you know, obviously Kraus is something to learn what not to do. You know, after they win the first, how he talks about how proud he is as an organization. I mean, you know, you know, and, and let's face it. I mean, in basketball, you know, the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, David Falk really comes out as the shining light because he had the vision to make Jordan into a tennis player. I mean, let's be honest, right? You know, he he created it. There's really a book that I think is really, a, a, the it's a better book than a documentary, and it really should have been used in the documentary. It's written by David Halberstam, and Halberstam took Jordan, as only Halberstam could do. If you've ever read any of Halberstam's books, Halberstam, when he writes about something, he doesn't just make you, he wrote a book about the 50s. And basically, if you ever want to learn about a decade, you read that book because you lived in the 50s with everything he wrote. He didn't just write a, a, like a small chapter on something. He elaborated on it. He wrote a, a, a book about the coldest winter, which is basically about the Korean conflict. And you basically, he had a whole section on a bi, almost a biography on Douglas MacArthur. So he really engaged you into the subject matter. And what he did with Jordan is he basically used Jordan as the centerpiece of the book. And then Jordan and everything that Jordan collided with, like Nike, the, the, the advertising agency, you know, ESPN, and all the things that because of Jordan's growth grew everything else around him. It was a fascinating book. It was one of, it's one of my favorite books. And I think that that book, having read that book, this documentary, for me, falls well short because there's so many pieces that he impacted along the way that we're really not, like the Mars Blackman section, like that advertising agency to come up with that, to combine that, is really kind of remarkable. And the book does better, but I'm with you. I mean, look, there's always a point where you need a little bit of balance. You mentioned Halberstam. Listen, and the Hall of Fame as far as great writers, not just sports, but as you mentioned, nonfiction and history. He's written arguably the greatest basketball book ever, Breaks of the Game, which is about the Portland Trailblazers in the 79-80 season, Kermit Wash and Rudy T, all that stuff. And also two of the great baseball books of all time, Summer of 49, which is about the Yankees and the Sox in October 64, which is about the Cardinals and Bob Gibson. You, you had me at Halberstam. He's honestly one of the heavyweight champions when it comes to this stuff. But we will absolutely enjoy the last couple episodes. Last thought on Jordan, Mike, I will say this. He 
is authentic. I, I mean, I do appreciate the fact he's unapologetic and still to this day is finds Isaiah Thomas loathsome. And that clip where they showed him Gary Payton saying that he could have changed the series if only he was guarding Jordan earlier in the NBA Finals, the way Jordan dismissed him was pretty funny. It's hilarious. I'll tell you one thing with Jordan is you know he's got personal freedom in his life because he really doesn't give a shit. You know, he just like, look, I am, I am who I am. I'm the greatest. Don't, you know, come at me, but you're going to, you know, it's like what, the, what they say in the wire, what did, what the, you come after the king, you best not miss. Oh, a lot of guys have missed. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely true with MJ. Thanks so much for supporting us in the GM Shuffle. Please go to Apple Podcasts. You can give us a rating. Uh, please do be generous. Subscribe, rate, and review. Wash your hands. Follow us on Instagram at the GM Shuffle, and we'll talk to you next week. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.